Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ever dance with the devil in the pale Inconceivable! Cowabunga! I thought this was a party! It's two Mosques and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. Are you feeling nerdy? Because I sure am today, because welcome everybody to another installment of Two Nerdskis and a Podcast, where the one show where two nerdskis come together and talk about everything pop culture and entertainment. Of course, I'm one of your nerdskis. This is Eric. What's up? It's Jeff. <laughs> and, you know, it's appropriate today because we're talking about something that is definitely something very nerdy. Um and I cannot wait to discuss it because I'll be, I'll be put this way. If I hadn't, if this wasn't my recommendation for this week, I know Jeff would have recommended it at some point. But anyway, so before we get started, of course, it's time for everyone's favorite little segment, the recommendation section. This is a section where basically uh, me and Jeff uh, come together before the show starts proper and talk about uh, anything that they've seen recently, any new shows that they've uh, started binging or whatnot, maybe any video games we've, we've played, and uh, basically tell them, like, hey, I think this is pretty cool. If you like this, check it out. If you don't, that's cool, too. But, yeah. Um, so I guess I'll, I can start with um, you, Jeff. Do you have any recommendations so far? Honestly, uh, I rewatched the original Dracula uh with with bella lugosi for the first time in like 10 plus years i i don't know why it's like every halloween i told myself like okay i'm gonna fucking watch dracula again because I, I used to watch it quite a bit as a kid but it just kind of like fell off my radar for so long and after rewatching it like god damn i fell in love with that movie uh like i forgot how genuinely creepy Lugosi was just with his body language uh the way like the way that they lit his face like he he was like uh had like a genuine hypnotic it, it's hard to describe it's uh it's it's a one-of-a-kind performance for sure and there's a reason that he ha- is so iconic as as Dracula so I want to actually, I have like this, this, uh, this big ass Blu-ray set that has every single universal monster movie on Blu-ray. And I, so this upcoming October, I, I want to rewatch as many of those movies as, as possible. Cause I, I grew up watching the essentials, but, uh, so many of the more obscure ones I've just never gotten around to. So yeah, that's, uh, every October I have a horror movie goal. Because uh, I I love horror movies, and especially around October, I want to you know try to discover as many new ones as possible. So hopefully, you know the the twenty plus Universal monster movies I haven't seen, they all they all can't suck, right? <laughs> I hope. Uh, <laughs> only one way to find out. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that because um, so a little quick plug for October, folks. 
So coming in October, it's going to be Horror Month, where basically we're going to be talking about everything horror. And one of those things is going to be the Halloween movies leading up to Halloween Kills. And of course, some other uh, horror classics that we probably have never discussed before, but uh, be on the lookout for when October arrives then. So, uh, and I'm definitely, by the way, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the choices that Jeff has in mind because I'm going to probably let him like, I'm probably going to let you go to town on like choosing the horror films because um, there's not a lot of horror film. I mean, I've slowly started getting into horror throughout the years and obviously Jeff is the horror the, is the horror guy between us and so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what kind of recommendations he has so i'd be oh, like boy, you you have so much fucking homework i mean i've seen i mean i've seen like the exorcist i've seen doesn't even uh, scratch, silence of the lambs doesn't even scratch the fucking surface oh, i know dude. i know I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the other other horror films i've seen i've seen all three evil deads oh god i can't wait to talk about the evil dead movies at some point um, honestly like i think what makes horror so special is that there's so much variety to the genre you know there's uh uh you know there's the horror comedies there's the you know there's horror musicals uh there's you know there's the all the different subgenres: zombies vampires creature features like it's a you know the slashers obviously it's it's just this bottomless pit of possibilities that the that the genre has is able to create so yeah, when I say you haven't scratched the surface, you have not scratched the fucking surface, dude. But oh, you, I, you, I can only but, imagine. But but you are you are gonna have a fun fucking time going through this because goddamn. And that's why, and that's why I'm the saying list, the list I have for you, dude. I'm I'm gonna make you a big ass fucking list. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm gonna let you take the reins for all of October because um, you, 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 you are wise, you are going to be the expert. You've made a wise choice. <laughs> Okay, so um, I've on my side of recommendations. So, so for whatever reason, um, I do not know why. But Jeff, do you remember a show back in two thousand three called The OC? Yeah, but I I never watched it. I figured you'd say that. Um, I mean, obviously, I never watched it either as a kid. Um, I'm not sure exactly what made me start watching uh, the OC, but I mean, so for those of you who are new listeners and have no idea what the OC is, so the OC was a popular like teen drama that aired on Fox from 2003 to 2007. It only ran for uh, four seasons. Um, it was it essentially it's about uh, Ben McKenzie's character Ryan Atwood. He's He's a kid from the streets of Chino, which is in Santa, San Bernardino. It's like right here in Southern California. Um, and it's like right next to the Orange County uh, area. And so he he gets into trouble. His lawyer, um, he his lawyer befriends him, who's played by Peter Gallagher, like one of the like one of the most underrated like actors I've seen. He's He's got a really charismatic voice to him. I really like his work. I remember seeing him in the covert affairs on USA and I really enjoyed seeing him in that show. So seeing him here was a delight. And so basically Ryan's mom kicks him out of the house. And so his lawyer takes him in and his uh, Sandy, Sandy Cohen, that's who Peter Gallagher plays. And so Ryan in uh, goes to live with Sandy at his uh, house in all the way in Newport beach. So like 
it's the show is all about culture shock, the kind of like problems we deal with, like a lot of social status and whatnot. And like showing that, like, you know, does it really matter what your soul or your social standing is? Everyone's got the same fucking problems. And that's actually like really commendable. Like there's a lot of like love triangles, a lot of like, there's surprisingly really good humor in this. So, uh, Sandy's son, who's played by uh, Adam Brody, he's called, his name is Seth Cohen. He is like, he is, he is the nerd that I was growing up all my life. Um, like he is Jewish. He is quippy. Yeah. And I'm like, this is fucking me. Like this is me to a T. But, um, and so, uh, I basically, I, I, I started watching the OC, I think because of him. Um, cause I found, I think I found a compilation online and I think that's ultimately what made me start watching the show. So the show is, was on Hulu, but it's actually on HBO max. So if you have an HBO max subscription, um, you can watch it there. I'm only still on the first season. I have a couple more episodes left until the season finale, season one. I've heard by all intents and purposes that the first season is actually where it peaks. And then like, it kind of, it kind of goes down, but I mean, I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet, but like, yeah, I've, for whatever reason, I strangely kind of like the show, like characters aside, like it's, it's interesting. Like so, I'm, I'm seeing why this was like huge back in the day, because when we were growing up, this show was huge and I mean, huge. So I'm, I mean, like as an adult, like in my late twenties, like I'm really beginning to see why this show is a phenomenon. So I, I have a question on a scale of one to 10, how early two thousands is this show? Pretty fucking two thousands. <laughs> I'm All not right. going to lie. I may, I may have to check it out because I, I fucking love like whatever was popular, uh, back, you know, around that, around that time that we were growing up and it's, it's inter- interesting to see how it how it kind of stands the test of time cuz fucking hell uh dude the flip phone dude there's fucking flip phones all the references we remember from the 2000s are in there uh Seth Cohen loves playing on his PlayStation um uh, oh, PlayStation 2 oh. yeah <laughs> dude he fucking plays we see in one episode play Star Wars episode 3 Revenge of the Sith on PlayStation 2 <laughs> and dynasty warriors i'm like oh my god this is my fucking shit round of applause for that fucking dude and you know what you know what's funny sorry is that so adam brody like he was he you know like he's a popular like his character seth was like a huge popular staple and like so his character uh apparently is a is an artist and so he he come he puts a comic book together from what i understand in like season two and uh, because of him, like in comics, that's what started the ball going forward for like really appreciating people who read comic books and whatnot. So, I mean, obviously, for what Spider-Man, what the what same Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy did for superhero movies, although you could arguably say it was Blade that really got the ball going first. But um, what what Seth Cohen did for comic book nerds is special because it really started people getting really into comic books, really appreciating comic book as a form of art and literature. Um, it's, it's great. Um, and so it's funny too. I think Seth Cohen would be really proud of Adam Brody because um, I have not. So I just want to preference. I still have not seen Shazam. 
but I do, but I do know that Adam really? Brody plays um, one of the older plays, like one of the, sh- like the adult version of one of the older kids and Shazam's of, great, of the Marvel yeah. family. Yeah, I know. That's what I've heard. I'm like, I don't know why I still haven't seen it yet. And I just feel like Seth Cohen would be really proud of Adam Brody for being in a superhero movie, which is funny because Adam Brody was supposed to play the flash in 2007 in that, uh, in that doom justice league movie that was going to be directed by George Miller, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's that right. Would really, in- that would have been really interesting to see. Yeah, um, wasn't it like a, like a writer's strike that, that kind of, killed the movie i think so i i'd have to do but, more research but i, but swear I know like they were it. i swear they were like ready to go like it was fully cast the uh they they had the they were building sets like they were they were gonna make this fucking movie and then uh yeah that fucking writer strike happened i think it was in 2006 yeah. uh because one of my favorite shows at the time surface got fucking canceled because of that goddamn writer strike. So I have a grudge against that particular one. Well, you know, it's, it's sad too, because you know, when you have writer strikes, it really just goes to show just how underappreciated a lot of, a lot of like the behind the scenes crew are like, you know, writers, you know, writers are the reason why something like is created. Like they have the idea and if they feel that they're they're not getting appreciated for the work, they're like, well, fuck it. I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna like stand here and do anything. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the strike is not quote unquote warranted, but you know, sometimes it happens. Like we've all been there, we've all been disgruntled. So yeah, um, I'm I mean, just saying. Really, I'm, it, I mean, I'm I'm just saying it, it's been almost twenty years, and I'm still not <laughs> over that fucking show getting canceled. Remind me later. Uh, to, Remind me later to look into surface. I mean, um, I think I know what I know what the show is you're talking about, but I'll have to take a look at it later. But anyway, so that's going to do it for the recommendation section. Please check out. Uh, please come back frequently for more episodes and installments. And we'll talk more about uh, other recommendations. But anyways, so, Jeff, um, I want to thank you, first of all, because today we are talking about fanboys. Um it's kind of appropriate because we are nerds, we are fanboys, and uh, this movie is basically for us, essentially, but it's funny. So I knew at some point we were going to request it. I mean, we we're going to talk about it, but I didn't think it would be me who would pick it, pick it for my recommendation because or it would be my pick for an episode. No, honestly, because- I, I, I was legit surprised when when you recommended it well because like i knew because like because i knew this was the movie you really i know you really enjoyed this movie quite a bit when you were growing up and i'm like i i found it odd when you're going because you gave me a whole list of like stuff you want to talk about and like fanboys was not on that list and i'm like that's odd that you did not rec- put that on there because i'm like i figured you want to talk about it at some point so i'm just like you know what it, you know what? Right now, it's free on YouTube to watch as of this recording. I'm like, fuck it. I'm gonna. I'm like, fuck it. Let's talk about it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, that. So, how I got into fanboys was through, or how I how I got in. Yeah, how I got into it was through you. Um, and I was thinking about it today, like how exactly it happened. So I think. So I was still living in Northern California at the time. Still, 
at living with my parents or my family and uh they're you know they're gone for the week this was during the summer they were gone for at least a week or a weekend it's a pretty long weekend too and uh you know i had the house to myself luckily i did not do anything crazy because at that point because even then i was like not really a person who would like have a huge rager going on so i just like you know what i'm just gonna invite a couple buddies over and then like just hang out so you know i remember inviting you and our two other buddies ryan and alex over um i had a barbecue going on we we had burgers and um it was a good time we had beers and we uh you brought the movie collection and so we were trying to so i think i remember we definitely watched jurassic park 3 um but i and i definitely remember watching tremors um tremors is one of the most awesomest movies ever made see our second episode all about tremors with josh b uh, if you want more context um but why the fuck did we the pick other... why the fuck did we pick jurassic park 3 i'm not sure but i just remember <laughs> like you and i think you and i were what were like going through jurassic park like by ourselves initially and um oh so it, decided, it, just, like, it just happened to line up to when we were planning on watching it anyway probably i think so okay yeah <laughs> that 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 makes sense so and then uh, one of the movies that you brought over was fanboys and so i'm like i i've never heard of this but i like i kind of wasn't looking forward to it and uh i remember when i watched i was like you know this is stupid but it's a fun kind of stupid like i enjoy this like this is great um having watched it now i still have some i still have the same sentiments but i'm i'm more appreciative of it i guess because it's you know i i guess it's because i'm older you know i i i am uh i'm the kind of person funny enough the main character is also named eric um i'm i'm the kind of person who's like who who's nerdy but you know i also want to like i I, pre- I have embraced my nerdiness but i'm the kind of person who at least wants to like you know balance the nerd side with you know real world side and like so i you know i go out i socialize to the best i can like even in a pandemic i probably would still be a homebody like even even if there was no pandemic i would still be a homebody but because you know it's it's not cheap to go hang out and and hang with people because you know people have plans you know like if you want to go out and eat dinner and like just go to the bar or whatnot that that costs money and gas and so but yeah i mean like it's fun to be a nerd but you know you also want to find that balance and uh i can see where eric is coming from in this movie and we'll definitely get more into it as well but um so jeff um overall that's my that's how i feel about the movie it's it's dumb, but still a lot of fun because there are definitely moments I really enjoyed it. But so, Jeff, what I want to know is how did you come across this? Because so I, I never heard of this movie before up until you had shown it to me. So if I'm not mistaken, I think it was on the uh, I think I, I rented something from Blockbuster and, you know, like, uh, you know, when DVDs would pack like like 20 fucking trailers uh, before the main menu pops up. Uh, one of the trailers was fanboys and the premise alone caught my fucking interest. Like this, this concept is genius. <laughs> and uh, so I think I, uh, so I eventually found it at blockbuster and, you know, took it home. Didn't really know what to expect. And I fucking loved it. And then, Immediately after, I bought a 
bought a DVD from uh, good old Dimple Records. Rest in peace. Uh, uh, I miss that place. Uh, best fucking record store ever. Dude, I have so many hours. Okay, so side note. So me, so when I was still living up north, uh, me and Jeff, like on night, this is how me and Jeff would hang out. We would spend entire evenings, or yeah, most evenings, just going around to Dimple and just hanging out, just like looking at the selections. Maybe we bought something, maybe we didn't, but we just cruise the aisles looking at the video games, the movies the music and the records, the books too. And we spent one entire day basically like going to every dimple location. I in fucking our area. remember that. <laughs> I, I think, we, I think we got all but one location. What was the, what was the one location we missed? Cause I, we made it all the way to the, uh, to the one in the El Grove store. I remember the uh, El yeah, Grove store. Yeah. We made it all the way out there. And I think the last one on the list was Folsom. But oh yeah, okay. but I, but I think I think at that point we were just like sick of fucking driving. <laughs> but no, dude, that was a great dude. That was a great day. That oh, dude, was no, a great that, day. That, that was fucking fantastic because that was one of the last times I got to hang out with you before I went off to college, like before I went off to Southern California for school. So that was you abandoned um, that me. was a memorable moment. What he abandoned me. <laughs> I had a, I had, I had to go pursue my dreams, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, so that's how, so that's how you discovered it. It was through Blockbuster, and eventually you got the movie from Dimple. Yep. Oh yeah. And I, it was one of those movies that you know I, I was still, um, I was still a teenager, so you know, more time to kill. So I, I rewatched this movie so many fucking times during my teenage years, and. It's uh, it's actually at a point for me now where I consider it nostalgic, and that's fucking weird to think about. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously for me, so I, I see when the I'm looking at here when this movie is released. It was February sixth of two thousand nine, so yeah, I was so, a freshman in high school still. Yeah, so I, I think I discovered it like around like twenty eleven or twenty twelve. So how, so, I mean, so I, cause I'm like, I, like, I do, I do not remember this movie at all when I was in high school, like well, yeah, no so, ads for it whatsoever. So yeah, well, yeah. So part of, uh, part of why this movie wasn't successful was because, uh, the Weinstein company basically fucked them over on their, uh, on their marketing campaign. So it got very little promotion, uh, you know, probably like one or two TV spots, but not much else. So it. I don't think it even made a million dollars at the box office. So it was three point nine million. It was made for. It only made about nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Yep, nine hundred and sixty hundred. Well, yeah. So so it, it completely fell under the radar, and it was actually, I believe, Star Wars fans are the ones that kind of got this movie a lot more attention because you know they once they learned about it, they you know they were seeking it out, and I'm sure especially around that time they found it relatable as fuck oh yeah absolutely i mean even today's nerds would probably find this movie relatable well maybe not maybe not but like so what i mean is like if you were a kid growing up like if you were a nerd growing up in let's say the 2000s all the way till at least so i mean okay so like night for me it's like 1993 like 
me and Jeff were born in the 90s, and then we grew up in the 2000s, and then teenagers in the early 2010s. So for us, this was this was this was not at a time. I mean, nerds were slowly becoming cool. We were still kind of like underappreciated because it it was still kind of frowned upon to be a nerd or whatnot. Um, I st- at that time I was like, I prefer being called a geek. Nerds are science nerds. I'm like, oh, dude, you're such an idiot for thinking that they're the same thing. You just gotta, you just have different names. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, I, I remember, uh, I remember kids making fun of me because I, because I said like Godzilla movies are great. And, and like, they, they were trying to like ridicule me for that, but I'm just like, I'm trying to like persuade them. Like, no, this shit is awesome. It's a giant fire breathing dragon that fights a three headed dragon and a robot version of himself. And no one was thinking that was cool. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Were you you fantastic? (laughs) Were you, it sounds like to me, you were pretty open with your nerdiness, even back then as a kid. Um, were you, or were you, um, I mean, like obviously not that expressive because I, I was a awkward fucking kid. Uh, but pretty much anyone that knew me enough knew that I loved this. I love this shit. Okay. So I was kind of an, I was, if anyone knows me, um, I was pretty much an open book. It was, it was a very poorly kept secret that I was a nerd in high school, or I just like in general growing up, like I was a I was unapologetically a nerd. Um, I I was still like, let's put it this way. Um, I'm 28 years old as as of the record as of this recording. Um, I old, still love fucking Power fuck. Rangers. Yes, I'm old as fuck. Um, and uh, I mean, for fuck's sake, me and Josh, me and Josh have talked about Power Rangers quite a bit, and then we reviewed the Power Rangers movie, and they like. Uh, when I was in second grade, I fucking lived for Spider-Man um, and Star Wars. But uh, yeah, Spider-Man, the first movie was a religious experience. I remember like showing my love. I would shoot. I would pretend to shoot webs like all all over the place. Um, and so uh, my classmates, <laughs> my classmates, you know, like they're just like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's. Everyone's experience is different, obviously, but I, I don't know. For me, it was always, especially in high school, I noticed this especially in high school, like, you know, people would ask me a lot of nerd questions. Like, apparently I was like the resident, per- I was like, I was, I was the cool nerd. Let's put it that way. I was the sociable, cool nerd who had a video blog in high school. Yes, I had a vlog in high school. It was cringy as shit. <laughs> um, and sure I, was. I was... Yes, it was. Um, and I, I, you know, I was very open about what I liked and whatnot in terms of like my nerdiness and like people. I think at that time, once I got to high school, people really were starting to really appreciate nerd culture, especially when people were starting to watch like because like superhero movies were really starting to like really become like in their stride and whatnot. Like people loved Iron Man. People loved uh, the like the Avengers came out right as I graduated high school. People loved the Dark Knight trilogy and everything. So like, yeah, ever so like nerd culture was really taken off. And like, I guess as a result, um, I mean, I I'm sure I was teased and everything, but I'm also that kind of person who's almost kind of like ignorant and didn't pay attention to that. But like, no, people genuinely apparently really, really, um, didn't mind that I was a huge nerd at all. Like, 
I was, and I was very open. That's the one thing I've always gotten is that like, I've, I've spoken to people since high school and people have told me like, um, I was unapologetically myself and, uh, I was considered like one of the more honest and real people in high school, apparently. Um, even though I had my own fucking issues, um, which is saying a lot because, so I'm sorry to do this, but the high school we went to was not exactly the best place. Like it was, it was a nice school, <clears throat> good teachers and everything, but like, it, well, maybe not. But like, the point is, like, the high school we went to, um, could have been better. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't know if I can be as nice as Jeff will about our high school, but yeah, that that was that was me. Like, I, um, I was just accepted socially for who I was. I, am I supposed to talk right now? No, I guess. Uh, I, I have nothing to segue with. Okay, I guess uh, <laughs> moving on then. <laughs> so, but uh, but in all seriousness, that's that's the kind of culture we were growing up with. So, the movie ta- this movie takes place in the late nineties. It's like nineteen ninety eight, and so people are still frowning upon being nerds. Um, they're still frowned upon and they're considered socially awkward or whatnot. It's the Hollywood stereotype of nerds. Um, so the idea is that Eric Butler played by Sam Huntington, who would later play um, a werewolf in being human and Jimmy Olsen in Superman returns. Uh, he reunites with his old high school buddies, Linus Hutch windows and Zoe. Zoe is played by Kristen bell and she is a fucking delight in this movie. Um, I, I had the maddest crush on, on Kristen Bell for a long time because of this movie. Did you ever watch Veronica Mars by any chance? Because I know that's the show she became famous for. I haven't actually, but I've I've heard good things. I never watched it. Yeah, same here. Never watched it, but I, you know, I heard nothing but good things. I mean, like, I mean they, honestly... like they like they keep fucking bringing it back. Yeah, like, <laughs> they, they 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 did that movie that that was a uh, uh, like rate all the money was raised through Kickstarter or something. Mm-hmm. And and then they did another season of the show for Hulu, I think. So it's like, if if this shit's good enough to have them keep coming back, then man, there's there's got to be something good about it. Well, right now she's doing the good place, so um, she's uh, she's doing uh, all right. <laughs> I was gonna go for a pun, but I'm like, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Um, anyways, but yeah, so so um. So Eric is at this point where, you know, he's a, he's a former, he's, he was an artist in high school. Everyone's still kind of in their nerd phase, but like he's, he's, he thinks it's, he, he thinks it's frowned upon. So, um, he decides he's going to go into uh business with his father. So he works for his father at a car dealership. Like, I think it's a used car dealership. Um, and he's a salesman and you know, he's, he's basically kind of like unfulfilled in life and like, it's with me and up his with his friends that he really kind of starts becoming nerdy again, especially when they tell him that, hey, we want to go to Skywalker Ranch and get a and go see the Phantom Menace before everyone before um, everyone else sees it. And so and so like Eric is slowly starting to like his, I mean, his brother still frowns upon nerds and everything. And so and his father is wants him to take apparently wants him to take over the business at some point um and so he's 
you know, he feels kind of trapped. And so he finds out that Linus, his best friend, whom he kind of has started, he's kind of like kind of lost touch with because Linus is still stuck in nerd mode or base or maybe Eric forced himself to grow up. Um, you can either you can spin it either way if you want. But either way, he finds out through Hutch and Windows that um, Linus has cancer and he's dying. And so it's at this point that Eric decides, fuck it. I have my old roadmap uh, windows. I know you have con- you have a connection inside Skywalker Ranch or Lucasfilm. Let's go all the way from Ohio all the way to San Francisco and go steal that fucking movie. <laughs> and so this is essentially a road trip comedy. And uh, it, it's it's a fun. It's actually it's I mean, it's like I said earlier, it's stupid, but it's fun. Stupid, it's stupid fun. Like it's. Like, like there's like acknowledge it for what it is, but like it's a it, lot of like, fun the whole entire time. Like there's there's like a sincere charm to it. Like like the like when you see a really good comedy and you kind of just get the impression that they had a really good fucking time making this movie and that kind of uh transpires on what's happening on screen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like uh actually uh I, I had to bring this up at some point. Earlier this year, they actually had a uh, a fanboys cast reunion. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, like I think like back in January, and they they all basically said like they're down to do some kind of follow up. Well, it's going to be h- kind of hard to do it with at least one of the cast members, but um, <laughs> uh, we'll get into that at some point, but um. But, you know, because I was, you know, it's funny you mentioned I was thinking about that while I was watching the movie. And I was thinking, like, I wonder if the cat, if like any of the cast still talks about this movie. Like, I wonder if like Kristen Bell, who is like, obviously the most successful of all these guys. um, I wonder if like she still thinks about this movie. Was she part of the reunion by any chance? She wasn't, unfortunately. Oh, okay. So I wonder. So still, I wonder if she. um. I want, I'd be curious to think, I'd be curious to wonder how she thinks about this movie. Um, but you know, at, you know, that's great. Um, when like the rest of the cast is like up for it. So yeah, I'm curious to see how Kristen Bell thinks about this movie, but, um, but I'm, I'm really glad to see that the rest of the cast still thinks of this movie highly fondly, especially when you get into the cameos, because the cameos in this movie, it's like nerd. It's like, nerdgasming 101 with a That's lot of the cameos wonderful and so i wouldn't say it's the first cameo because he's in this movie quite a bit but seth rogan as a trekkie <laughs> i had such a hard i i had forgotten that he was in this movie and i forgotten how fucking nerdy he looked as a trekkie like i know he's like the term is trekker not trekkie where it's not it's not derogatory i'm like even even now we call ourselves Trekkies. Like, I'm not the biggest Star Trek. I'm not the biggest Star Trek guy, but like, or the biggest Star Trek fan. I do love Star Trek. Uh, let's preface that, and I'm sure you've heard me talk about it before. But um, I'm like, even then, I'm like, dude, this is fucking overload of shit. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, actually, funny. like, like a. Uh, so speaking of the uh, of all the of all the the Star Trek references, this movie kind of reminded me of that era in fandom of like inner 
uh, fandom circle debates. Oh yeah, of uh, of what's better, Star Trek or Star Wars, DC or Marvel, um, all that shit. Exactly. I mean, to be fair, the argument is still going on today. Like at least, I mean, like you know, you have the you have those people who are like Lord of the Rings or, um, or what I guess The Witcher or some shit. I don't know. Or basically. Anything fantasy versus J.R.R. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you're right. It would be Game of Thrones versus uh, the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, to which I'm going to be like, it's always going to be Tolkien. It's always going to be Tolkien. I mean, I understand that I can see just how much a powerhouse Game of Thrones was until season eight. But, you know, I'm always going to go with Tolkien like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones walked because of Tolkien. Let's put it that way. Oh, oh, Um, yeah. I mean, we'll do especially like when uh, when you watch Game of Thrones, you definitely see the the inspiration from uh from tolkien and it's funny that we're and it's funny that i i mentioned that like um it's funny that i mentioned that um game of thrones owes everything to tolkien almost because it's almost because of star trek that star wars exists actually if you kind of think about it almost i mean like i'm sure george lucas already had this idea like maybe years before gene roddenberry created the first star trek series but you know i always i i I wonder like just how much um of an influence star trek had on star wars like like on george lucas when he created star wars because you know i mean obviously you don't really hear about the fandom rivalry between star trek and star wars anymore probably because like everyone has like basically united in like their distaste and disapproval of like what the both franchises have become which is funny um it's it's it it is pretty funny but yeah you don't i i do remember those wars back when we were growing up like you know were you a star trek fan were you a star wars fan did you love dc more did you love marvel i still hear about marvel and dc quite a bit um undeniably so it's probably more toxic than it's been in years um so i've uh, maybe that'd be pushing it. But my point is like the arguments are still there. Like the rivalries are still there, but you know, seeing this movie and like seeing the rivalry personified to which to hearing Seth Rogen as a trek and going Han Solo is a bitch to which no one calls Han Solo a bitch. <laughs> God damn it. That fight was great. Especially so, like, they get, they get the because those are Vulcan weapons. Um, like, hey, can you say that you're going to die? You're going to die a virgin and cling on. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, this movie reminds me of like what it means to be a nerd, like through in and throughout. Like it's uh, it's it's a great experience. Um, just, I mean, that. <laughs> and then just seeing that fight alone was it's just like seeing the literal like rivalry ensue in a fight was just great. <laughs> and just seeing, just seeing like Seth Rogen just dressed up like that. And just like with the fake teeth and everything as a nerd hair combed and everything. I'm like, this was still when Seth Rogen was like still out of his. Yeah. <laughs> just wow. <laughs> I can't okay. So, it. uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll, Let's, let's get into uh, some of uh, some of the other cameos, and then oh yes, yes, please. And then, uh, but uh, but yeah, after that, I actually want to ask you a question, and and I have a theory on that question, and I, and I wanted uh, wanted your perspective on it. 
Well, um, I, it's funny because I also have a question for you at the end of this. Okay. Um, so, well, we'll get to that then. So anyways, um, so they escape from that fight and then they find themselves. So, by the way, we haven't spoken about this. Hutch's van. <laughs> Holy shit. I want, want that fucking van. This? I legit want that fucking please, van. Please explain to the listeners what exactly this van looks like. A glorious piece of decorative art on the exterior of this grand vehicle, imitating the beautiful art of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. <laughs> and inside, you got a beautiful little light setup. You got a shitload of Rush, t- uh, Rush cassettes, Rush, and only Rush, and. The red button, which comes in handy a little later. So oh, yeah. <laughs> they constantly give that van shit throughout the movie. But I look at it. I'm like, I would fucking drive that. This thing's, <laughs> this thing's sick. Oh, that fucking van. It, 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 I, I just remember seeing it. I mean, I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I remember seeing it again for this. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this fucking van. Of course, a fucking nerd would drive this van. Like even I probably would get in this van and have some, and have fun with this. Like it is totally a road trip van. And I'm and like it is it's a trooper. I am I thought at one point that it was going to be totally destroyed at one point and they would get a new van. But like, no, the van survives the entire trip. I'm very impressed. Yeah, I remember first time I saw this, I I was kind of waiting for the for the van to get fucked up in in some regard, but no, that that beautiful thing survived. So, Jeff, what's who's the next cameo in this? Billy D. <laughs> Actually, before Billy D, the this next cameo is Danny Trejo. That's, that's right, Danny Trejo came before Billy D. <laughs> Danny so they mother, they, Danny motherfucking Trejo. So at one point, they're t- so at one point the van breaks down, like it's flat tire, and um, they find themselves at a gay club, <laughs> and they're forced to dance. And then you find that that Hutch only has one testicle, <laughs> and everyone's like mortified by by the sight of it. And then Danny Trejo officially arrives. Like, all right, show's over. Show's over shows over and then like they have like this trippy fucking um experience with them by the way danny trejo calls himself the chief in this movie and he's only refers to himself as the chief but and he's like the chief only speaks in third person (laughs) what a fucking great concept Uh, this character like danny trejo is just a delight every time i see him I got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So getting into that, then, then we get to eventually, because there are so many fucking cameos in this movie, but like <clears throat> the next cameo we get to would be Billy. D- well, no, actually. So you learn that windows has had like windows has just had a fucking like uh, he's, he's been talking to his contact who he, who he's in love with. And uh, they traveled to Texas to meet, his contact and uh, he finds so any, and he hopes it's a girl. Everyone else thinks that it's going to be <clears throat> just a dude. Sorry, just a dude. Um, 
and like, no, it's a girl, but she's 10 years old. And he's like, I'm a pedophile. I'm a pedophile. I'm a pedophile. They have to drag him out of the, the cafe that they're meeting at. And uh, apparently her uncle is Henry is no Harry Knowles, uh, who is who is like a prominent film critic from back in the day because he started Ain't It Cool News. Um, I'm just going to leave it there because uh, what happened to him after what's happened to him in recent years is uh, eh, unfortunate for him. But uh, yeah, he he apparently like he's pissed with uh, Windows because like he apparently Windows is talking to his uh, niece and so like he beats the shit out of him and then like to prove that they're all fanboys he make he quizzes them all and they all pass with flying colors it seems at one point eric doesn't know the answer to the question the question by the way was like uh who like what is the planet's what is the planet of uh chewbacca it's obviously kashik but um but it wasn't officially revealed in the movie if i'm not like it wasn't officially revealed during the original trilogy it was only i mean i think it was referenced in like expanded universe and then like eventually it was revealed in um and then uh it was revealed in like episode three where he comes from but uh but yeah no so they go off and then unfortunately uh they get into the chase why don't you explain the chase because that leads to the red button the red motherfuck that red motherfucking button so they uh they have to hit the red button and then they hit light speed. <laughs> they hit way over light speed, apparently. And uh, to the point where like they go through a fucking billboard and uh, it leaves an indent and you hear you, you, it looks like the silhouette of, of Darth Vader. And then you see the red eyes from the from the van and uh, you hear the Darth Vader breathing. And then they find themselves in uh, prison or well, they find themselves in jail. And then uh, so Zoe, who uh, is played by Kristen Bell, she comes all the way to Texas to bail them out. And uh, she's like, no, I'm staying on this trip. And so then you get to Billy D. Williams's like uh, cameo. And Billy D. Williams is playing a judge by the name of Judge Reinhold, who, by the way, is a real person. He's in uh, he's most famous for his roles in the Beverly Hills Cop series. So uh, <laughs> I'm just like Billy D. By the way, Billy D. Williams has such charisma and like even even at his old age right now, like still got the charm on. I remember seeing him a few years back at a uh, convention and like even then he just seemed really charming and like he and stuff. So, yeah, no, he seemed really great. Um, so. Uh, so they so they keep going forward. And um, uh, by the way, so like uh, earlier, Harry Knowles told them, like, go to Vegas because that's where you meet your contact. And so like while um, while Hutch and Windows are like, unfortunately, meet, meeting up with apparently uh, escorts, as they f- later find out, you see that uh, you see the next cameo in the list. And so um so Linus and Eric, they find themselves meeting uh, the contact that'll get them more into further into Skywalker Ranch. And apparently their contact is, uh, uh, who is that contact, Jeff? The greatest captain of all time. <laughs> William fucking Shatner. What? What a fucking, I, I cannot believe that. Yeah, that Bill Sh- I mean, like. 
What, I mean, it's Bill Shatner. What else can you say? Bill Shatner is always a delight to see in, on screen. And God, uh, God bless that man. I, I know. <laughs> and so like, dude, how did you get this information? He's like, I have here the exact quote. He says, um, I'm William Shatner. I can score anything. <laughs> what the? F- <laughs> Damn. I believe it. I mean, you've met Bill Shatner before, right? At conventions. Um, I did. What's he like? Um, I mean, I hear he's, he can kind of be like a hit or miss with people, but I've heard he's been, I've seen him like, in on he, looked like he looked like he was ready. He looked like he was ready for lunch. <laughs> he probably was just, he probably was annoyed, annoyed by the day. So like, I guess that makes sense. But I mean, I mean, from all intents and purposes, you know, we've all heard the stories about Bill Shatner, but, um, you know, it is what it is. And so, um, so they, so they, um, they, they keep driving. Well, first of all, what happens is like, so Hutch and, uh, windows, um, they find out that the girls they've been talking to are escorts and then their pimp comes in and it's a dual role for Seth Rogen. So not only is he playing the Trekkie, he's also playing the fucking pimp who apparently loves star Wars and like their love of star Wars is not enough for, him to get out of it's not enough for like them to get out of it but like eventually they escape well don't forget his uh back tattoo oh that guy's gonna be the shit (laughs) that's unfortunate (laughs) with the tattoo i mean it's also you know what so side note so obviously you know obviously one day i'm sure okay okay Uh, okay. i'm I'm sorry like before this uh before this leaves my head they should have had a post credit scene of him walking out of the Phantom Menace and just getting pissed off about that back tattoo. <laughs> that would have been great. That really, <laughs> that fucking would have been hilarious. I'm not going to lie. It would have been fucking fantastic. But no, yeah, so they escape, right? I mean, so they escape, but uh, so they all converge. So like, because what happens is like, apparently Seth Rogen's Trekkie character shows up uh, at the because con- they're meeting at a Star Trek convention in Vegas and so like Linus and Eric are escaping from uh Rogan's character I mean Rogan's Trekkie and like Windows Zoe and um Hutch are escaping from Rogan's pimp character and they all converge and then you see that uh and then you see and then uh I think you said it earlier but like uh you said that like I know that I know at one point like they uh, he's uh, Seth Rogan's Trekkie is like he says it again that Han Solo is a bitch and uh, you said it again it's like Han Solo is not a bitch and they just get into a fight <laughs> and uh, and they get the hell out of there they get out of Dodge which is great um, but you do there is a there is unfortunately kind of a a sad moment though where you see that like apparently so linus's cancer um diagnosis is a lot worse than we thought so they end up going to the hospital the doctor they speak to bless her heart and may she rest in peace carrie fisher um and like when i saw her i'm just like i'm just reminded of just how much i miss seeing carrie i miss that fucking woman I mean, she's a delight. Like, have you, I, I don't know if you've heard about any of the stories about like Carrie, but like, I've heard she was nothing but like just a great person. I, and she apparently threatened a producer for threatening one of her friends or like harassing one of her friends. Um, that's 
that's a great human being right there. I, I was actually four months away from meeting her at a convention. Oh, really? Uh, and, uh, but then, you know, she unfortunately passed away and I didn't know this. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, they, they had her, her, uh, her bulldog Gary, uh, in her mm. place, which I, I don't know if, if that's sweet or, or what I, I don't know. That kind of never sat right with me personally. Um, but yeah, no, man, I, it would have been fucking gnarly to, to, to meet her. Cause there was, um, in that tribute video that they released, you know, there's, uh, there's this hilarious clip of her, uh, getting a selfie with a fan. And then she just, she just turns his face and starts making out with him. She did that. She oh, fucking what a did that. <laughs> well, it's funny that happened. It's funny you mentioned that because what happens is so like she tells him that like they need to go back to Ohio f- so that uh, Linus can undergo treatment. But like they've made it their goal by this point. So but at this point, so I forgot to mention earlier. So like um, Eric's father's not happy that he's doing this. So he basically told him like come home or get or you're fired. Uh, Eric decides that he's going to. Uh, achieve his death star moment and says, fuck it. I'm going on. I'm going to continue this trip because how often am I going to be able to do this? Like this is my moment. And so he, he reminds, he reminds Linus and everyone else that like, Hey, we're on this trip for a reason. Let's go and do this. And they, they basically escape the hospital, but before they escape, before they can leave, like Carrie Fisher's doctor character stops him and then like Linus basically convinces her to let her let them go. And he kisses her <laughs> and she's like, I love you. And he's like, I know. And I'm like, ah, another call back to Star Wars. What a fucking great deal. Carrie Fisher, you will forever be missed. Um, if you can, if you can go through that, that, that just great. Um, and so. Can, so uh, uh, just a side note, you can definitely tell that this movie was made by people who fucking love star Wars. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like mean the, like the, the fact that George Lucas was totally cool, you know, with, you know, essentially like helping authorize the, the making of a movie like this. Uh, cause you know, he didn't really have any involvement. Um, he, uh, once he saw the first, uh, the, the first cut of the movie, he he approved of it so much that they uh, he actually gave them permission to use, you know, a bunch of Star Wars sound effects. I was going to wonder if if uh, he probably he let him use permission for that. But um, uh, for, okay, so there's a lot of there's a lot of like sound effects from Star Wars that are in there. And I'm like, that's not really necessarily public domain, right? No, no, I didn't think so. So actually, so since we talked about pretty much um, a majority of the cameos, like there's a few more. Uh, is it just me or does it feel like this movie was building up to a grand George Lucas cameo, but they couldn't get him to do it? You know what? Now that I think about it, I I never I've never I didn't. Hmm. I mean, it would have been interesting to see George Lucas do it because then that would be the ultimate cameo, would it? Like, it's him basically giving... Because, like... Because um, well, we can definitely... 
I wanted to, I would discuss more George Lucas later, but like essentially you only, you only like see one of his guards at Skywalker ranch, talk to George on the phone. And, uh, but like, imagine just seeing George Lucas just show up and be like, Oh, well, uh, uh, I'm seeing that all you fucking nerds just showed up in my place. Uh, great. Um, I don't appreciate, uh, I appreciate the commitment though. You guys are good stuff. Good stuff. I'm sorry. That's a really bad George Lucas impression, but this guy does a really good impression. Uh, so, uh, you, you guys just broke in. I, the movie comes out in like in six fucking months. Like you you just, you you couldn't wait. Like (laughs) you you just, you, you have to just break in and tear my shit up like what who the fuck does that like i, I got it like your your fans but jesus fucking christ you all this this is i'm calling the fucking cops if you <laughs> if, you, if you didn't catch on that would have been a very <laughs> different ending it would have been indeed it would have been but like it probably would have been a great ending like just imagine the alternate ending where george lucas basically denies him everything which, um, but before I forget, there's one more cameo that I want to mention. Two actually, Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. So, um, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Uh, I have been for a long time. I haven't been a fan of his recent work in year in in recent years, but uh, you know, I appreciate him for what he's done for me in terms of like me being more enthusiastic about film. And actually wanting to actually learn the art of filmmaking and everything. And so as a result, you know, it's because of him that, you know, I have my passion, you know, although that's kind of, it feels like when I say that, that's kind of a step down in terms of filmmaking, because like Jeff's like pinnacle filmmaking, like inspirations is Spielberg. And I'm the, and my favorite film and my filmmaker inspiration is the guy who made a black and white movie about guys talking about star Wars in a fucking convenience store. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, Kevin Smith definitely like has his, has his place in, in cinema history. So, you know, plus like, I think he, he represents a, uh, you know, that independent spirit of, of filmmaking, at least mm-hmm. in his, uh, his, his early career. But now I, I think he's kind of a sellout. <laughs> Yeah, which is kind of unfortunate, but you know what? You know, regardless of what you think of him now, please no don't fuck up just... Clerks three. I want that to be good. Yes, I do too, and we will be talking about Clerks and Clerks two at some point in the future as well. Although I, there are some other, I, there are definitely movies in his older catalog that I definitely want to discuss. But uh, but what's funny is that like you know, Windows has to go use the bathroom at I think it's a seventy six or an Arco. No, it's an Arco, and uh, you know. Um, the door is locked. And so Kevin just casually just walks up to the bathroom. He's like, you know what? And he, I forget exactly the conversation, but like he's basically saying like the guy in there right now, is a great professional. Like he's great. And then like Jason Muse just like burst out of the bathroom. He's like, that is it, man. I'm not doing this anymore. And Kevin's just like, why not? <laughs> and, uh, you basically learned that apparently, uh, Kevin has Jay, uh, do sexual favors in the bathroom for strangers and like the stranger walks and it's typical kevin smith like this is totally up his wheelhouse so so like kevin like uh a stranger walks out of the bathroom is like uh and so kevin's just like what i tell you small soft hands right (laughs) i'm like of course only only in kevin smith's cameo would be so vulgar and shit and there's like 
sex jokes in there. It's Kevin Smith. I'm not surprised. But now it's time to talk about the raid on Skywalker Ranch. Um, and it's basically, it's almost like watching a cross between Indiana Jones and the entire Death Star sequence in episode four. Um, <laughs> because at one point they find themselves in a trash compactor and it's like the trash compactor sequence in fucking episode four. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm like the dedication. You can really tell this is made by fans because the dedication alone is great uh the dedication alone and then like they meet they come across security and one of the security guards is fucking darth maul himself ray park and like windows is like i got this he takes a lightsaber to fight them and then like ray park just like casually because he is a stuntman in martial arts he just takes some twin batons starts twirling them around because it's fucking he's fucking darth uh darth maul is like y'all about to get mauled and i'm like of course you fucking said that (laughs) of course you fucking said that so actually, uh, I got a question for you. Did you catch yes. the, Did you catch the reference to the masks on the guards? Is it Spaceballs? No, they're actually uh, uh, lifted from THX one one three eight. Oh, yeah. For those who don't That's know, right. uh, yeah, I've this, never, so, I've never seen that. Sorry, I, I've never, I, seen I haven't that either movie before. Um, but I didn't know that. Wow. That's a, I, honestly, that makes sense. I mean, it's Skywalker ranch. It's everything encompassing, encompassing everything that Lucasfilm has done. So yeah, I want to be yes, surprised. The, THX one, one, three, eight. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, this was the, uh, I think it was George Lucas's first feature film. Uh, I think he, he it made was definitely it his first major motion picture for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was his, uh, it was made a couple of years before American graffiti. Which reminds me, that's another movie we should probably talk about, American Graffiti, because oh, I think that's a lot of fun. American Graffiti is um, fucking great. Um, so, so they all get so no before they get caught, they find themselves in like, um, the office of George Lucas, and he's got the fucking movie on his um, on his laptop, and so they start they start watching the movie, but then the security finds them. Um, earlier in the film, while they were still in Vegas. Uh, by talking to the escorts, Windows realizes he's in love with Zoe, and Zoe has been in love with him this entire time. And so, when they land on the couch and uh, to duck for cover from uh, the guards, uh, Windows lands on top of Zoe, and he basically confesses his or professes his love, and she does too. And they make out. And I'm like, well, thank, thanks, you guys. Finally, you guys got thank. Well, yeah, Windows, you finally caught on. Good for you. Um, and so. What happens is like before they're all like interrogated, there's a standoff. So like Linus picks up the Millennium Falcon, like one of the like one of the original Millennium Falcons that was miniatures that was used for uh, episode four. And then like and then uh, Will Forte, one of the guards is Will Forte. He, he takes like the he takes the freaking uh, Yoda puppet and he threatens to drop it and uh, fucking uh Eric grabs the uh, training, uh, the training droid uh, from episode four, and they all basically have a standoff. And essentially, also Zoe takes the head of an Ewok and threatens to put it on fire. <laughs> and like it's a, it's already one of the most intense like moments I've seen. But um, unfortunately, they all get interrogated, and then um, uh, Danny McBride is the interrogator. And like he make he gives them all quizzes and everything. By the way, um, the fact it's 
it's kind of a precursor to Lucasfilm eventually becoming part of Disney because like I feel like you know big corporations they know everything so like the fact that like apparently Lucasfilm has files on every single one of them is like uh George how the fuck did you get files on everybody (laughs) (laughs) I'm like what oh boy and so they go so they go through the process of being interrogated and then uh and then eventually they're like, all right, so the drop, so the charges are being dropped. Um, you guys are good. You guys can watch the movie. However, Linus, only you can watch it. And so, because again, they know everything. So they know about Linus's like terminal illness. So well, like, of course, which honestly, like I could, I, I could see like George doing something like that in real life. Well, yeah, because I mean, yeah, knowing no, I mean, like knowing how how things are now, I like I wouldn't be surprised if George Lucas would be the one who'd be like, no, I'll gladly like give you, I'll, I'll gladly let you see the movie before you die. Like it's it's you know you're a true fan. I appreciate the commitment. You deserve this. And so you know everyone waits outside. You no, know, you, you I mean obviously you'd never see the movie on screen, but you get to see Linus's reaction to the film. Um, he doesn't say anything about the movie, but you can clearly see on the look, his look on his face, how he feels about the movie. And you, he's got a smile on his face, like, um, and you know, he's happy, but you know, so by the way, I, I, I love the song that, that they use for, uh, for the sequence. Do you know the song that's being played? I haven't looked it up. It's a fair by Remy zero. I think it's the band's name. I know Uh, Remy zero. Yeah. Okay, so Remy Zero is, um, if anyone is a fan of Smallville, their theme song, the theme song for Smallville is called Save Me by Remy Zero. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They they did the theme song for, uh, they did the theme song. By the way, you will have that fucking song stuck in your head if you ever listened, if you ever watched the show. Um, I fucking believe it. it. Like one of the most icon- I mean, it was still like, so like Smallville started like in 2001 and ended in 2010. So it was like the perfect 2000 show, especially for a superhero uh, property at the time. So um, a lot of 2000s references in that show, too. But wow. So, re- so really, I didn't know this. Uh, Remy Zero was um, that was Remy Zero who did the song for that. Sure was. Wow. I did not know that at all. You blew my mind, sir. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> love you too so um so after the movie so after he watches the movie linus is like sitting down they i guess they're they're, they've camped for the night um uh hutch zoe and um and windows are all having this moment of like campfire and then like off to the side eric and linus are talking because so you learn at the beginning that how like they've kind of like come out of touch linus is still like you know obviously eric forced himself to grow up and grow out of his phase whereas uh linus still stayed a nerd for life but uh but this trip has brought them back together as friends reignited eric as a nerd and like really showing really kind of like helping him realize his destiny in life and so um it i lo- i really like how do you yeah, that that tender moment between Eric and Linus is probably 
one of the most heartfelt moments in the entire movie like that aside oh, from absolutely. aside from Linus watching seeing the reactions of Linus watching Phantom Menace that's probably yeah I would say that's the that's probably I mean of all the like comedic moments in the entire movie that tender moment between the two of them is probably the best moment in the entire movie it, it feels it feels sincere like it like a lot of comedies try to you know pull a, a half-assed you know emotional response in the third act but a lot of the time it, it feels very forced and disingenuous like there's this felt genuine it absolutely did and that's that's one of my favorite aspects of the movie is i I believe the friendship and chemistry between all these characters. It, I mean, it definitely feels genuine, especially, especially, especially when, uh, um, what's that, what's that, uh, maneuver they do whenever they run away from everybody, like they just moon them, but there's, a Oh yeah. <laughs> I forget what it's called, but yeah, it me was too. a great moment. So, uh, this is not the question I, I wanted to ask you, but like, did that remind you? Did that moment between them remind you of us in any shape or form by any chance? I'd say so. I, I think I agree because I was thinking that exact same thing too. <laughs> ah, great minds think alike, don't they? So, um, so now, so the, how the movie ends, they fast forward to the premiere night of Phantom Menace. Linus has obviously passed away. Like they're all camped out in line. Um, Zoe and Windows are deeply in love. Uh, Christian is that, Bell is that, is that your R2, is that the, is that your lucky R two? Nope, my penis. <laughs> <laughs> but see, Christian Bell in a slave Leia outfit or a slave Leia bikini. Yeah, nice. it's a good sight. Let's put it that way. <laughs> nice, nice. And you know what? And you know what's interesting about this? And so, like. So, so Eric has become, has, you know, Eric has, you know, become a nerd again, but, and like his, his, he's, he started his own comic book business, right? Yeah. He's become a comic book artist and, uh, Hutch has started his own detailing business. And, um, what's great about this is that, um, what's great about this is that, uh, um, Eric's brother shows up and uh, Eric's brother, you know, he wasn't really, he wasn't necessarily like fond of like eric's friends and their nerdiness but like seeing him at the premiere i'm like i was surprised like you know it's like you know i'm proud of you know like why not you know you know that's a proud moment it honestly reminds me of so i remember uh christmas 2016 um after because i was home from break and like my brother and i this is like one of the moments, I, one of the few moments I will ever cher- cherish between us. Like we went to see Rogue One together and that was great. Like the, just the experience of seeing Rogue One with him. Like that's not something I often did with my brother, but like that's always a moment I'm going to cherish. But like, but how the movie officially ends, you hear, you hear uh, the 20th Century Fox theme play, the fanfare play. And then like right after that, um, Eric asks, hey guys, what if the movie sucks? Cut to credits. <laughs> One of the greatest final lines ever. <laughs> so here's my question for you then, Jeff. And Shoot. I'm sure you want to actually talk about this in the future, but does the Phantom Menace actually, is it actually any good? 
Um, I feel like with that, uh, with that movie particularly, it kind of depends who you ask. Uh, because I I was four when that when that movie came out, so I I don't have any you know memories that have stuck with. Uh, so I I don't have much nostalgia for it. I I mm-hmm. don't really remember even finishing it that much as a kid. Um, I mean, like I I was hard into uh, episode two when that came out because uh, you know I, I was seven and you know that was the first. Star Wars movie I was able to see on the big screen. So it like back then that shit was exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just never really had a personal connection to Phantom Menace. Uh, so if someone said it sucked, uh, I'm not going to argue with them. But I mean, obviously you have seen the movie and uh, well, uh, afterwards. Well, well, of course, like, you know, I, I've, I've done a few Star Wars marathons. So yeah, of course I'm, I'm going to watch it, but uh, like there's elements of it that I, I appreciate, but I don't know. It uh, never did anything for me. I guess that's a fair assessment. I mean, I've never hated the Phantom Menace, but I do acknowledge that like it's definitely one of the flawed. It's definitely one of the weaker installments in the franchise in terms of like the sequel. Tri- no, that's sequel. Tri- the prequel trilogy. I would say episode two is the worst. And then episode three is the best. Like it's the pinnacle of all, yeah. Of I mean, the, of that trilogy. Yeah, I mean, Attack of the Clones is a really fucking bad movie, but I, I'm so entertained by it. I think half of it, half of the reason why is the memes. <laughs> God damn it, those Star Wars memes. So, the prequel, uh... prequel memes are fucking great. <laughs> By the way, so you mentioned at the beginning that there's a question you wanted to ask me, and depending on the way I would um, answer it, you you would like go off from that. What was the question you wanted to ask me? Son of a bitch, I forgot. <laughs> oh my god! Fuck. <sighs> well, shit. <laughs> well, well, folks. Well, uh, well, I'm heard- uh, well. I'm sorry to anyone that was. Gripping with anticipation. <laughs> God damn it. I was burning the entire time while we were doing this. And I'm like, what's the question he wants to ask me? And you forgot. <laughs> what? Okay. Oh, oh, okay. So, so I, I do have a, uh, I do have a separate question though. Okay. I will so, take that at least. So. Does this at all remind you of a period when Star Wars was more fun? Like it was obviously selling out, but it was more fun because you had, you know, like the uh, the robot chicken Star Wars specials, the the Family Guy specials, uh, you know, the the offshoot parody that was so stupid, but you couldn't help but laugh. And I feel like. That was because George had such a, you know, even if you talked, uh, talk shit about it, he seemed to mostly have a sense of humor about it all. And I just feel like none of those specials I listed or even fanboys getting made, uh, like just in general, uh, just in general, I don't think that would, that would have happened under Disney at all. I think you're right because I don't know. Cause like before Disney bought, the franchise and Lucasfilm like I mean 
no one really complained about Star Wars lore. Like everything was like, you know, like there was the expanded universe. The expanded universe is widely appreciated and loved. Has a lot of flaws too. Don't get me wrong. Like there are definitely some things in there that I'm like, eh, I'm not so sure about. Like, but you know, like there are some there are some great games that came out of the expanded universe. Like the Force, uh, the Force Unleashed is one of my favorite Star Wars games. Fucking OG Battle, Battle o- OG Battlefront Two, baby. Battlefront Two is. I've locked so many hours in Battlefront Two, um, the original Battlefront Two, not not the new one. But the point is, is like, yeah, Star Wars was Star Wars at that time was great, um, and if, it was great to be a Star Wars fan. But you know, there even back then there was still that discourse of like, were you a sequel trilogy? I mean, no, were you a prequel trilogy guy or original trilogy guy? And then like, yeah, uh, so, so all, like, there is all like that discourse there. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, there's always been fan debates amongst star wars fans it just happens to the conversation just shifts like every 10 to 15 years because because like because even then um everyone was debating like what was better because like a lot of people really felt that george lucas shit on his own franchise when he did the prequels but here's the difference and jeff has said this before maybe not on the podcast but like to me at least you know when George Lucas did the prequels, at least he had a vision for it. And it was, it, it was at least properly structured. The execution may have been like, eh, but at least you could tell there was a story from start to finish. Disney didn't really know, didn't really know what they were doing when they did the sequel trilogy. And it shows because all they really cared about was like, you know, get you know we have star wars so fuck it let's make a new trilogy and uh we'll make a lot of money we'll get that marvel money um and uh you know i'm I'm just saying whenever at some point you know we cover all all of star wars and inevitably get to the sequel trilogy uh those are going to be the longest fucking episodes so we'll we'll see i'm I'm giving y'all a warning in advance we'll see what happens but uh are you sure you don't remember that question you were going to ask me I really don't. Oh man. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I really wanted to know this question. Fuck. I, I guarantee like five minutes after we start recording, I'm, I'm going to fucking remember. Yeah. <laughs> just be, I'm just going to wait for him. Just be like, um, like we stop recording five minutes later, right before I go to sleep. Jeff's going to be like, I remember the fucking question. And I'm be like, uh, quick record this. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, man. You know what? If you do remember the question, we can save it for the next episode. How about that? Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Um, So anyways, um, overall, I've said this before. Fanboys, I do think it's stupid fun, but it's a lot of it. it, But, you know, it's stupid fun that has heart. You can tell people you can tell the people behind it gave a shit about what they were making and that uh, it was done with love and passion. You know, it's, it's, it's a love letter. It's, it's not just a love letter to star Wars. It's just a love letter to fanboys and nerds and, and geeks in general. Like it doesn't matter what your passion is. If you're passionate about, if you're passionate about it and if you are a fanboy about it and you're willing to go the extra mile, that says a lot already. And I think that's what this movie represents. It speaks to the fanboy and nerd and geek and all of us and tells us, hey, don't be afraid. 
don't be afraid to go on the dark side. We have cookies. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, at least that's what I feel about it. So what do you feel about it, Jeff? Oh, I I love this movie. Like it's is it a great work of comedic art? No. Is it enjoyable as fuck if if you've been associated with that fandom at all? Absolutely. So yeah, that's uh that was that for fanboys and uh that's I think that's going to do it for this week, folks. So uh, be sure to follow the Instagram page at uh, TNAPCAST. That's T-N-A-A-P-C-A-S-T. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, like and comment on the videos, and leave suggestions in those comment sections for any other future stuff you want us to talk about. And we are currently on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you guys want to, if you guys are curious where to listen to the show as well. But yeah, anyways... That's going to do it for this week. And remember, folks, Han Solo is not a bitch. You better fucking remember that. Yep. This is Eric. And this is Jeff. Stay shiny, everybody. Have a good one. Next level. Next level. Next level.